Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Part of this is Shaq. I I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. That's it. That's it? That's it. Okay, cool. I mean, I want you I, to hear it. I've been hearing, well, Shaq, I've been hearing that since my rookie year. You know, I'm just going to get okay, better and well, do what I do. Do it. At the end well, of the day. Well, that's what I want you to hear you say. Yes, Love sir. your game, brother. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Donovan Mitchell and Shaq after the game on TNT, after the Jazz beat the Pelicans. Didn't defend a lick in the first quarter, but led by halftime and won 129 to 118. Mitchell went for 36, and PK, Shaq doesn't think he has what it takes. Be the best player on a championship team. Do you? Oh, you'd have to pick against it right now. I right. mean, it, it's like the, the cool thing is that this is only getting said because Donovan is no longer considered the 30th best player in the NBA and the Jazz are no longer the 10th best team. They were having a discussion. If you, if you let the thing go, then one of the other guys jumps in and says, well, they're having a discussion about you're now a top five team in the NBA. So, usually you're going to say no. I mean, there's like four guys a decade who do this, and there's one guy a decade, maybe, who's built like Donovan Mitchell, who pulls this off. Yeah, so certainly the odds are against him. I agree with you on that. Uh, A couple of things here. I appreciate Shaq having the courage not to just go ex-jock and just lavish the guy with praise, as these guys tend to do in their interviews. So, I appreciate that he's willing to say something along those lines in terms of asking a question uh, may not have been the most appropriate venue and time and circumstance to do it. That was weird. Uh, but, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, the, and if, if he's going to do it, and, he, and I give him credit for asking it to him, you know, basically to Making his face. a statement, right, yeah. You know, not literally, but he's willing to not – he didn't run from – speaking from Shaq's right. perspective, he didn't run from it. It's just that – when he has Paul George on, when he has Damon Lillard on, when he has Russell Westbrook on, when he has James Harden on, uh, on and on and on and on, we can go throughout the league. When he has Antetokounmpo on the league, Antetokounmpo, you can't hit a jump shot to save your soul. Your free throw shooting sucks. So how in the hell were you MVP? You know, I would like to hear that. <laughs> right. As, as long as you back that up, Jason Tatum, you're not good enough to do this, whoever it might be. So just don't isolate Donovan Mitchell. Because the reality is right now, you could argue that there's really only four guys in the league that have been able to do that. Yes. Uh, LeBron, Durant, Curry. Um, and I was going to say three and a half because you could probably get a pretty good argument about Durant. Everybody loves his talent, but he went to a champion to get his two championships. Is he going to be able to pull it off when he's absolutely the guy? I mean, they had two guys who were well, one and one A, and Curry already had a title without him. Uh, yeah, he did, but I don't know that he played LeBron at LeBron's full strength. He didn't at that point. Yeah. So no, they I were mean, hurt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to him, and then obviously Leonard. Other than that, there's nobody else in the league that you can say quote has what it takes. Uh, the next level, I guess, to me is an NBA title. I mean, to, if second place, third place, what's the difference? And I, I wasn't. It, it, 
the premise of it is something that I, I don't know that I could disagree with. I don't think Donovan Mitchell has it right now. He's 24 years old. He's a smaller guy, obviously. He can only do so much. That doesn't mean he's not a great pl- player. Uh, it's just that, to me, it was more so... Uh, Shaq, Shaq's Shaq, so he's going to say what he says. And he continued to harp on Gobert with all that money with mm-hmm. 12 and 11. Uh, uh, Kenny Smith saying that if they don't shoot the ball extremely well, they can't win. And there's a major gap between them and the Clippers and the Lakers, a major gap. I mean, uh, Shaq's going to take all the heat, but thank goodness Utah State was playing, so I still was up because normally I don't ever watch that, especially on a late game I go to bed. But I did flick over so uh, from a commercial from Utah State, so I did catch all of this. But, I mean, they've already beaten the Clippers. Uh, yeah. And, and sh- you better say the same thing about Paul George. Okay, he doesn't have anything close to what it takes based on well, what we've seen. And, and if he does win it there, he's going to get recognized as the second best guy in the team. Kawhi Leonard is going to be the guy. So, uh, not necessarily. Probably. I'll give you not necessarily. I mean, Kawhi could get hurt and Paul could carry him to a title. But I think people look at that team now and think Kawhi's the guy and he's done it and Paul will be the second guy. And Donovan is going to have to be the guy. And he's going to have to lead him in score, and he's going to have to have these, what he did last night, a 36-point game, what he did in the bubble when he had 50-point games. And he's capable of doing that. So if that's what he needs to do, then he is capable of doing that. But is he capable of doing it 16 times against better teams than the Nuggets? And the Nuggets were good, but obviously they got beat by the Lakers. So you're going to have to beat better teams than the Nuggets. Uh, Yes, I I think he can, but the team is going to have to be better for them to be in the position to do that. Right. And who's the second guy? Is Bogdanovich going to come in and you know score 20 points a game and hit some of the biggest shots too? Because LeBron's recognized as the guy, but he needed Kyrie Irving to hit one of the biggest shots. And he's not alone. I mean, Jordan needed Steve Kerr to hit a big shot. Well, I mean, it could be anybody. It could be yeah. if they win this year, which I don't think they're going to do. But it could be Conley. It could be Royce O'Neal. I mean, Steve Kerr hit a great big shot, and he's not even close to being thought of as the second best. Robert Ory hit big shots. shots. He's not he even wasn't close the second to best. No. Jim Paxton. I mean, or John no, Paxton. Ory hit him for Shaq and Kobe. So you're big right. shot, Bob. Big shot, yeah. Bob. But he wasn't the second best player. No. And so I don't know when you get there if you're going to look and say, "Hey, Donovan is good enough," but he didn't get it because uh, I don't know Gobert's twelve and eleven guy, or because this guy over here missed the shot that would have won the game. And, LeBron got one because Kyrie made the shot that won the game. So, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of ifs to throw in there. Uh, but it's like you say, there's only four guys in the league. So you, most of the top ten players in the league haven't done it yet. They're only no, talking about just, this. They're only the talking about the game. This. Right. They're only talking about this because the Jazz are no longer the ninth, tenth, or eleventh best team in the league. Now they're the third, fourth, or fifth best player in the team in the league. And... I mean, Shaq said it, but nobody picked the Jazz to win the title. I mean, we, we didn't have fans coming on the air here saying, the Jazz are going to win the title. I think it felt really harsh that after a game when you expect to get, hey, good game, you're the man, which is what you usually get because you're only on because you won the game and you were the man. Well, yeah, and, and plus instead, it's Utah and oh, we're out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. I yep. mean, it's like every journalist now taking a shot at Trump. Well, no one's going to criticize you on that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's fashionable to be able to do that. Uh, and so have at it, man. You can have full yeah. full steam ahead. And we got other guys coming on. The, the, the election was a great day. That's the, pop, that's the right side of history right now. So if he were to say that uh, on... 
for the Clippers or somebody who uh, has a much higher profile than the franchise that the Jazz have, he might receive more blowback. But he's kicking the Utah Jazz. I mean, is that really that bold? And not just him, but Kenny Smith and Barkley were doing the same thing. Jazz are back at it tomorrow. They got the Golden State Warriors. As the homestand continues, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now to KCP. Runs into the is in the game and he's got the basketball guarded by holiday truly one of the best defenders in the league but that's a tough cover for anybody and lebron shows you he's why he's got that shot down pat high post randall avoids a trap the runner with the left got it to go took wiggins off the dribble from the foul line and randall now with 14 for the next there's some highlights from a light night in the NBA, as many Thursdays are. The Lakers beat the Bucks 113-106 on TNT before the Jazz played. LeBron went for 34. And the Warriors will be here tomorrow. Got beat by the Knicks. We'll be here Tuesday. Knicks win 119-104. Julius Randle missed a triple-double by one assist. He had 16 points, 17 boards, and 9 assists. Golden State Warrior forward Draymond Green ejected from last night's game with about a minute to go in the first half. Appeared to be yelling at his rookie teammate James Wiseman, but was mistakenly taken by the officials as Green yelling at them. Steve Kerr said the Ben Taylor, the game crew chief, admitted at halftime the second-year official John Butler thought Green was yelling at him and made a mistake in assigning Green his second technical foul, and that sent him to the early exit. I saw that happen to Majerus once way back when when I was covering them played at the University of Texas and Majerus one loaded on one of his players I think it was Majin and the referee walked between Majerus' mouth and Majin and teed him up he's <laughs> <laughs> yelling at somebody else but and it shouldn't have happened I understand that but you you do have a rep my guess is Stephen Curry doesn't get that you know, whereas Draymond yeah. Green has a rep for better or worse that he earned nobody gave it to him he earned, earned it. it doesn't right. mean this was right but he earned that rep. And the refs don't like being yelled at, and they don't like you, and they're just waiting for you to go off so they can tee you up again. They're not taking it. Turned out. Oops. Cleveland Cavaliers have traded Kevin Porter to the Houston Rockets for a heavily protected future second-round pick after Porter was exiled by the Cavs recently. A heavily protected, huh? Yeah. Second-round pick? Who protects <laughs> second-round picks? the phrase I've never had to say you're, you're, before. You're not going to make sh- you're, you're going to make sure that you're protected with this guy being a knucklehead, I guess. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Boatloads of frustration in the first half. And these guys just like they it's almost like they just want to be frustrated. Like we love it. We just can't get enough of it. And that's a real gift as a team when it doesn't turn you totally sideways. And we were searching for a while. The vibe of the game was so different. It was like we had just come from two games where you could just punch the other dude in the mouth and there was going to be no call to this game where it was it was just called way different, which is fine. And it just took us a while to adjust to it. But I was really pleased with how the guy shot the ball. I was really pleased with how the guys shared the ball with 28 assists. Uh, I was really pleased with all the contributions we got for guys, and I was really pleased with the guys managing frustration and, and doing this for each other. So a great night for Cougars. Super happy. BYU gave up a 13-0 run early in the game to Portland, and then it was they took the lead, but it was still awkward. They clearly weren't firing on all cylinders, and then at halftime, 
It was completely different. Mark, that was Mark Pope there after BYU's win over Portland. He didn't bring that up. But after halftime, it was easy, and they completely dominated and blew a six-point game wide open and won 95-67. Matt Harms didn't miss a shot. 23 points, made every shot, rattled in a three, had a bunch of dunks, made all four of his free throws. He led him with 23 points. BYU hosts Pepperdine tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Well, it was Portland. Then. Yep, I mean, and they're 0-5 in conference now, and they're terrible, and they didn't look terrible for the first few minutes, and boy, the second half, oh, the gap was massive. They were going to lose. It was inevitable. I'm, I'm thankful that they played Portland because there was a lot of games to watch, yeah. and I didn't have time to the ability to focus to wade on through that. Game. So once they got ahead, I click because they started uh, a they little started bit earlier. Early. The Aggies started late. You just said you were watching that one. They lose to Colorado State, 84-76. The Aggies got off to a great start, gave it all back, and then uh, they were playing uphill most of the second half there, PK. Well, I'd like to apologize to Ram Nation throughout the world. I did not think that was going to happen. I did not think they were capable of beating Utah State, and I was 100% wrong. Aggies' win streak has ended at 11 games. They are 9-1 and one in the league. So, Boise State is undefeated. The Aggies have a loss. CSU has two. San Diego State and Nevada have three. Well, now that the Aggies want CSU to stay hot and they go to have the Boise series next week. So, go knock them off twice. <laughs> the Utes break their streak. 12 straight Pac-12 road losses. It's over. They win at Washington State, oddly, the last place they won in the Pac-12 as well, both ends of the streak. The Utes, wire to wire, 71-56 win. They had the lead at halftime, no hiccup, no flinching, no collapsing. They won by 15, and uh, Brandon Carlson led them, 14 points. Oh, absolutely. Points. I actually think Ryland Jones was the one who was the key because he got uh, Carlson so many easy, easy shots. shots. Yep. Yeah. You threw just, him some lobs, found him in the paint yeah. with some bounce passes. Right. Yeah. And so he really controlled the game. I don't know what his stats were, but I thought he really controlled the game, and Carlson took advantage. This is the Utes, man, for better or worse, and it's frustrating. It's almost like you'd rather have them eke out a one-point win. But when you do these things, two of your last three games, you win so easily. I don't care what the competition is. It's Pac-12, and you win easily. Something's missing. Praise them for winning, absolutely. But they should be more consistent than this because they've got some talent. And they did it without Allen really going off. And normally you think, oh, he has to go off. Well, it didn't have to happen. Yeah. And as far as scoring and all that, early as the Utes took the lead, he wasn't much of a factor. So there's talent on this team, and they should be playing better. They had five guys in double figures. And Batten was only in double figures for the second time this year, a guy who's – He's a junior now, and his, uh, his shooting numbers and his scoring have all been going backwards. Well, not his free throws, but his field goal percentage and three-point percentage and all that. But I thought he was capable of something like this. He's done it like this in the past, but this was uh, as well as he shot it this year, this in the BYU game. Weaver State beats Southern Utah. They'll play again Saturday. Weaver State rolled 91-67, gave Southern Utah their second loss in conference play. They're 5-2. and two. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
this team's going to be built on, we're going to kick you in the teeth. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. That's the Lions' new coach, Dan Campbell, kneecapping people, biting people's kneecaps off. I've never heard that. You you got on me about knuckle biter. This was uh, way beyond that, PK. That was weird. Uh, yeah, it's just talk. Who's he coaching again? The Lions. Yeah, right. Exactly. 63 years, one playoff win. All right, NFL playoffs, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, NFC title game, 1 o'clock on Fox. Bills and Chiefs, 440 on CBS. Seems like uh, the Chiefs are going to have their star quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, taking most of the snaps. Well, Danny Reid didn't think he could go. He wouldn't have you take most of the snaps. Chad Henney would need all the reps he could get. So Mahomes it is, I guess. Great. That's what I want to see. Yeah, They haven't said it officially, but reading, reading between the lines, that seems pretty clear. So if they've got him, you got the uh, you got the home teams, Chiefs and Packers, slight three point favorites. Or Tom Brady is going to his tenth Super Bowl. Well, I mean, I picked the Chiefs last February. I so know, right? So did not gonna, else. <laughs> not going to change now. Uh, I think turnover battle in the other game. Uh, the Packers, whoever wins that battle, wins the game. Uh, particularly if they win it by two or more. You know, if it's two to one or one to zero. Maybe not, but if it's anything close to like it was last Sunday, then obviously yes. Eagles are going to hire the Colts offensive coordinator instead of the Patriots offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni is going to be their new head coach. Josh McDaniel was a finalist for that, the former Bronco coach who went back to New England for a second stint and is still there. Former Washington football team first-round pick Dwayne Haskins has signed a reserve futures contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers after Washington let him go. So. What does that mean? I don't know. I've never heard that expression before. So that means he will essentially be invited to training camp to train on a roster spot. Okay. So now you say that instead of he's invited to training camp. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> reserve, it's a reserve futures contract. No. Okay. That, that's the, the technical term. The standard contract for a guy who needs to find a way to make a team. Yes. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Tennessee announced that they are hiring the athletic director from UCF, Danny White. He'll be their new Danny athlete. White? Sweet. Not that Danny White. Not that. Oh. <laughs> He'll replace Philip Fulmer, who is retiring. Now, White has been UCF's AD since 2015. So he's got five years of experience running a good good football program and athletic department as opposed to uh, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee fans taking over and hiring their own. That didn't work out. Notre Dame placed on NCAA probation for one year after both sides agreed that former assistant coach Todd Light had impermissible off-campus recruiting contact with a high school player in January of 2019. This is the level of uh, quote-unquote cheating, PK, that I just have to assume is rampant. Well, to me, it's like uh, if the speed limit is 70 and you get ticketed for going 76 
And meanwhile, you're standing on the freeway there, and every single car is going 76. <laughs> I know. And you're thinking, well, what the heck? And, and cars are going 80. Because oh, yeah, you're, you're on I-15, yeah. and you're still, you know, 45 minutes north of Cedar City or an hour and a half north of Cedar City. Everybody's doing 80. You're pulling me over for 76. Well, I mean, even sure, in town, for that matter. Yeah, I once, you're right. A friend of mine once did that, and it didn't get very far. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama made it official. They are hiring Houston Texans coach Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. O'Brien was formerly the head coach at Penn State before taking over as the Texans head coach. Do you think that he'll get aired out on the sideline the way Lane Kiffin did, or is that just like a Lane Kiffin thing? I think Saban has the ability to do that to anybody and everybody. I was going to say, ass-chewing so, seemed to go around. So I'd have to see the circumstance, because I, I remember the incident, but I don't remember the circumstance. You know, what what was leading up to that? Is it just a singular, isolated deal, or was there other stuff? I told you not to do this, this, and this, or whatever. And so at that point, the frustration boils over. So I think it's capable, but I'd have to look at the circumstance involved uh, to really feel like, all right, uh, that was, you could see it coming. I don't want to say it's justified, but you could see it coming. And I don't remember the Kiffin deal on that. So I wouldn't put anything past Saban unless he knows he's going to retire and he has to stop recruiting because I think a lot of that is for show. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, joins us to talk NFL playoffs next. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up at 8 o'clock. And we're expecting Joe Ingles around 845 this morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. John Canzano, the Oregonian, you're on the Big Show. I guess the new commissioner doesn't necessarily have to be well-versed in the X's and O's of football, but they sure better understand the importance of it, right? Because I swear it seemed like Larry Scott got lost in that. Didn't know it. I mean, he was a Harvard-educated tennis player, and who did he hire as his right hand? Woody Dixon, another attorney who didn't know football. And the coaches would have conversations with the conference office, and conference did not understand their challenges and scheduling, and why can't you play a 7 p.m. kickoff or turn around on a short week. What about this rule change that's being proposed? They really felt it was you're from Mars, I'm from Venus when they were talking to the conference commissioner. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can chop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raider, radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. 
He joins us with all kinds of news going on. The Pac-12's got a new commissioner. Well, they will have a new commissioner. There's going to be a change. Got the AFC and NFC title games this weekend. Lincoln, let's start with the games. And uh, obviously the AFC title game, the big question is, is Patrick Mahomes going to play? But I think the answer is probably yes, because Andy Reid wouldn't have let him have, quote-unquote, most of the snaps in practice if he thought Chad Henney was going to have to play, right? Can we deduce well. that? <laughs> morning first and foremost. Good morning. Guys. But, but here, here's the thing, if we've learned anything about this generation, um, when you have a superstar like this, of this uh, uh, the caliber, they're not going to miss the game. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. We, you know, when you look back a few years ago, when we saw the concussion protocol come into play, and you saw the after effect from the NFL, from the player standpoint, you saw a number of people stand up and say, look, I understand what you're trying to say about concussions, but if I want to play, I want to play. And they're going to find a way to play. And they kind of, they kind of waved their way around it. The NFL did what it could when it saw somebody who abused the rules stand out. You remember when Russell Wilson got a little bit of a penalty and a fine in Seattle because he played, but he wasn't under the quote-unquote concussion protocol? That's what we've evolved to. So there's no way that Patrick Mahomes is going to miss the game. <laughs> if he's not on IR... He's going to play. You know, I always thought somebody like uh, like a Mike Trout in baseball, don't go diving into the wall. And right. I mean, it's just not worth it because it's not worth to have you out. We need you in the lineup. And I'm wondering, is it worth having those types of calls on your quarterback, the caliber of Mahomes? Is the result worth it knowing the potential and risk that's involved? There are times where you would hope the, I guess, the, uh, what's the best way to put it, the better mind would prevail or somebody would stand up to protect them and look out for them. Um, but in my experience, and it happened most notably uh, this year with, uh, with the Raiders uh, and Gruden and Derek Carr, there's times where there's the loyalty of the player overrides the overall judgment. And what I mean by that is that after Derek Carr hurt his groin, he was reported to have a, um, a groin injury that was going to keep him out of 10, 14 days. Marcus Mariota came in and played well against the Chargers and almost won that football game for the Raiders. Well, I watched from the sidelines. I watched the behavior. I'm big on body language. It was my opinion that Derek Carr panicked when he saw that, when he saw Marcus Mariota play as well as he did. So the following week, rather than sit on the bench and watch another quarterback play, he chose to play. And he played at a degree to where I questioned whether or not he was injured. Because he went out there and looked, I've had a groin injury, and it didn't look like he was injured at all one week later. Um, and John Gruden let him play because there's the loyalty. John Gruden has a loyalty to the player rather than, you know, you know what? It's probably best for the future of this team if you're my quarterback if you sit down. So I've seen this happen time and time again where the player has stood up and said, you know what? Don't. Don't make the judgment for me. Let me play. And then on, sometimes it backfires and sometimes it works out. So the Chiefs are slight favorites, three points, but the Bills look really good. And the yeah. Chiefs, as dominant as they've been, they haven't beaten anybody by more than six points since November 1st. I mean, they're not, not, not just blowing someone off the field. I mean, they don't even have like a 10-point win. Right. So are all these close games, these one-possession wins, is a really good team going to be able to make a play or two and pull off the win? Well, certainly anything's possible, but a win is a win. So, I mean, we can sit here and analyze the factor in which they won. Well, they didn't blow them out or they barely won. The fact is they won, and they continue to win. 
And so it's been my mindset built up over the year that until somebody dethrones you, until somebody knocks you off, you're still a champion. And when we all look back on it, we can sit there and say, oh, well, they didn't do this. Oh, they didn't it. It's a system. Oh, it's a, you know, they got called. Whatever. They won, and they continue to move on. So that's why the Chiefs continue to be my favorite until somebody pulls them off, knocks them off. Yeah, exactly. That's what we were already been talking about this morning. When I look at Josh Allen, to me, he has the ability to just be a star and like the most recent star who's been consistent, maybe not the best quarterback in the league, but has won and won big and played very well for a long time is Roethlisberger. And I think that Allen has that capability. How do you see it? Agree. I do. I totally agree. Here's the great thing about this, and this is what I love about the game. It's a team game. The quarterbacks get so much honor when they win and so much blame when they lose. All the time, it's not necessarily their fault. You know, and you can ask the question, what makes, a, you know, what makes a quarterback? Does a receiver make a quarterback? Does a good offensive line make a good quarterback? Or does a quarterback make all those assets when it comes to an offense? Um, that, and it, it, it depends on the individual and how you evaluate it. I think the Buffalo Bills are on their way to being a consistently good team. It's a great organization, a wonderful franchise. I love Bill's Mafia. I love the fan base. I'm glad that they're in, and they are in the mix because it's good for the NFL when they are talked about. Uh, but the big thing for me is that it's not about Josh Allen. It's about the aspect of what Diggs brought to this team as a receiver and what they had. They were already on the cusp of being good. We saw them years and years before. They made a trade, and we don't. We see it, you know see a lot of teams do sort of not necessarily a desperation trade, but a trade that makes a big impact now in different sports because they want to win now. When they went out and got digs at, at the receiver, gave up first round picks and everything else, they changed their identity on offense. Changed completely because he is one of the best receivers at not only getting off the line of scrimmage but getting open quickly, and that's what Josh Allen needs. So in the NFC, it's the frozen tundra. It's Green Bay, and the Packers are playing great. But uh, Tom Brady's seen it all, and I would think that you know when you've thrown the ball in New England in playoff games in January, okay, well Green Bay, great. Even when he's gone on the road, he's had to go to places like Denver and Pittsburgh. Not exactly glamorous winter weather stuff. So I think all that stuff goes out the window. And don't his teammates draw a lot of confidence when your quarterback is like that? I mean, it it seems like. All that stuff is, it's great. It's a fun story. And certainly they'll highlight it on the broadcast. But I don't see how this is going to, I mean, Tampa Bay is either going to be good enough or not good enough. It speaks to the point of what I said earlier. The quarterbacks get the credit and then they also get the blame. This is not going to be a quarterback game. The fact is, this is going to be Aaron Rodgers versus that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And if you learned anything from this defense, you saw them last week against the Saints where they played with an attitude. I mean, they played angry, they pushed around the Saints. And this is the difference maker for this Buccaneers team. Look, you know, I have my, my various conspiracy theories when it comes to the way the NFL works as a business. And one of them in this year is the fact that with fan attendance down, wouldn't it be great if you created a Super Bowl or had a way to create a Super Bowl where you had two of the most talked about quarterbacks playing against one another? Well, that could be Josh Allen, that could be Tom Brady. And wouldn't it be great for the NFL if you had this, this scenario where you had history being made, where there's no team that's ever played in this home stadium, a home stadium that hosted a Super Bowl? Well, that would be great if you had Tom Brady and Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Either way, those are all storylines, especially when you know the NFL has already said it's going to do its best to maximize the amount of money when it comes to the Super Bowl because they took a loss everywhere else. With that being said, 
all in all, this is not an advantage for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. There is no home field advantage because Tom Brady has played in the snow and he's playing against a good defense. Uh, and the fact is, is that when Aaron Rodgers had to play against a good defense, whether it be home or the road, he hasn't come out on the end, on the top end of winning. So you got Brady already at the top of the list of all-time yep. quarterbacks. I mean, everybody puts him there. And Aaron Rodgers has been very, very good. He only has the one Super Bowl. How much do you buy in in order to be up there? You've got to have more than one if you're a quarterback. I've never agreed with the hardware defines you as a Hall of Fame player. Um, I was recently asked uh, the question, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Without a doubt, I said yes. Very quickly. And they're like, well, he doesn't have the round. Neither did Dan Marino. Neither did. I mean, there, there are players, you know, Dan Fouts. I said, you know, the fact is, is that when you look at the numbers and you look at the level of consistency, that is what grades or, you know, um, creates my grade for the Hall of Fame. You cannot tell the story of the history of the NFL without including this player. I do believe that. It, it, there, are, there are players in there that I have the utmost respect for that I don't think were Hall of Famers. That's just my opinion. You know, but when it comes to Chargers and when it comes to uh, you know, players, just you know, and I've had arguments with them. You know, one of them was you know, Michael Strahan. Another one was uh, uh, LaDainian Thomason. I didn't think they were Hall of Famers. Curtis Martin. I didn't think they were Hall of Famers. Great players, but I didn't think they were Hall of Famers. That's my opinion. It's the same thing when it comes to Phillip Rivers. Philip Rivers, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer because over the time that he was a player, he did it at a level that made him competitive. He won football games. Because he didn't win a championship, and I do believe in football, it's a team game. It's a team, then it constitutes a team championship. I'm not holding it against him that he didn't win one. That's just, that's just my opinion. But there are people out there, oh, well, you got to look at the hardware. You got to look at the touchdowns. You got to look at all these. No, no, no. I'm not an analytics guy. I watch this guy. I watch this guy beat teams that I played on. I watch this guy beat teams that I covered. I'm, I, I see this as long as he's done it. He's been good. He's been competitive. He's been a starter. Honor him. I can't tell the story of the NFL without including him. So, LaDainian Tomlinson is not a Hall of Famer? Not in my opinion, because he didn't. Really? In my opinion, he wasn't available when you needed him most, and those were the big games. Playoffs. Huh. Wow. All right, we got to spend a couple minutes here with you on the uh, on the Pac-12. You heard the commissioner right. is out. You couldn't be surprised by that. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, where does the Pac-12 go from here, and and what do they need to focus on in this new commissioner? Because you're you're a former Pac-10 football player, and now yeah. you're the Pac-12 analyst, right. and obviously they're getting shoved to the side of the national discussion here. Certainly. Well, the first thing comes is maximize uh, your amount of exposure when it happens. It's, that's what it comes down to. If the, the new commissioner, uh, whoever they are, pushes the Pac-12 to get the maximum amount of exposure to do what it does. Now the Pac-12 has to respond collectively uh, and, and sports-wise to be competitive. And what I mean by that is you have to win games versus other conferences to make yourself notable. That's simple. So what do they need to look for in terms of somebody who is the new replacement and the new commissioner? And Does he have to, how or she, for that matter, uh, more business well, sense, more football sense? To, yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to the ideology of what's going to, what's going to allow the conference to grow on a national and global scale. 
And what I mean by that is when you talk about today's market, it's all about the entertainment factor. Uh, I mean, not necessarily the overall, the underlying aspect, but it's part of it. The entertainment factor to make people want to watch, to make people the, the draw. If you look at the evolution of the SEC and you look at what Alabama has done for the conference collectively, it's a Alabama, it's a top heavy conference, but when you go to certain regions, there are, there are, uh, uh, Universities or entities that captivate that audience and control that offense. I mean, I'll control that, that audience. Whether it's Alabama on, on ESPN, SEC Network, and they have their own show, there are things like that that the Pac-12 is capable of doing because it has, it has that sort of history, that lineage, but you have to showcase it when it comes up to the standard of others around the country. So how much faith do you have that they're really going to turn this around? Because there are some things. There doesn't seem to be as much passion for college football in the West. There certainly aren't as many people. There are some things built in here. Uh, there's more teams competing head-to-head uh, with the NFL than there are in other parts of the country, certainly in the SEC. Right. Well, I don't necessarily agree that there's not an, um, a, a passion towards it. I think it's regional. And I think if you want to make it, you know, either um, uh, you know, you want to make it again, nationwide or whatever, that's going to be the challenge. The thing is that we love, and I'm speaking with you guys in, in, in mind, we love Pac-12 football. We love Pac-12 sports. Not only because we have our certain connection to it, but we're also in the region we enjoy watching or, and, and, and enjoy being and talking about it. But in order for a national scale, for people to be in Louisiana or you know, Florida or you know, back east in New Jersey, in order for them to love Pac-12 sports, you've got to be competitive. And you've got to be at a, at a degree to where people want to watch and people want to respect because, you know what, your team came in here and beat our team on our own field tariff. You know, so if I want to be respected in, in the Horseshoe in Columbus and Ohio State, well, somebody needs to go, there, go in there and beat them and beat them on a national television game and something like, well, geez, I, I didn't expect, you know, Utah to come in here and beat Ohio State the way they did. You know, Day and those guys were riding high, but I saw a lot out of Utah. I got a lot of respect for this program. Let me pay attention. That's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, I totally agree on that. As far as the commissioner goes, it's hard to hold that posi- that person uh, responsible for those types of on-the-field things. I'm wondering Agreed. if, for, for just to start, if they need to clean up the optics, meaning get out of San Francisco with the outrageous rent that you're paying and have don't have stupid calls and replays where your own coaches are going after you and things along those lines. Get on DirecTV. How far can that go to restoring it? Well, that's the start. Those are the baby steps. Those are the things in my mind that you have to take a couple of steps backwards to get to run forward because those are the things on people's mind. So you listen to your audience. This is the way I would kind of do it. You listen to your audience. You talk about those things that you just mentioned, and you find a way to make those things right, whether it's get on DirecTV to make yourself exposed so you can show your product. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not supposed to. The Pac-12 didn't get in this position and what you're in and, and the way people feel about them overnight. You take what the people have said, your fan base, and then you, 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 you fix that. That will cause your fan base to grow. You don't have any control over the competition. The only thing you can send is a note to your universities and to your coaches, do the best you can. And they will. They'll get there. They're, they will find a way. When you look at recruiting and football today, 
I know, I know for a fact that Alabama goes into people's homes and they said, we'll have your kid in the National Football League in three, three years. That's a recruiting tool. Herm Edwards in ASU goes into people's houses and says, I'll have your kid with a degree in three years. That's a recruiting tool. It, it is what it is. But you want to be competitive, you find and you listen to what the children have, or what the guys that you're recruiting have always said about what they want and what they focused on. You recruit that. You harness that, you get that to be productive, you put that product on, on the field, and you showcase it on TV, and next thing you know, you've got a wonderful product that everybody wants to follow or people are looking forward to looking uh, to watching. Lincoln, as always, we appreciate having you on. Thanks for coming on and talking a little football today. Anytime, guys. Be well. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, talking about the commish moving the league forward in the AFC and NFC title games. And PK, that whole NFL thing, uh, you fans have to love hearing that because they know their coaches can go in and say that and that they do go in and say that. (laughs) They're telling defensive backs, we'll get you in the NFL. They're telling defensive linemen, we'll get you in the NFL. Sure. Yeah, they have to love that. Now they need to have quarterbacks and receivers and others along those lines. But, yeah, I mean, obviously they've been able to say that, and that's been a, a distinct advantage for them for a number of years now. DJ and PK, David Locke coming up, radio voice of the Jazz in about 15 minutes. If you missed Shaq and Donovan Mitchell, well, we will get to that next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network DJ PK want to remind you that Valentine's Day is not far away and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com Remember that Valentine's is on Sunday this year, Jimmy's Flowers. Alright PK, last night Shaq told Donovan to his face on a postgame show that he wasn't good enough. <laughs> that was awkward. Unless you find awkward entertaining, in which case it was wildly entertaining. Yak, let's uh, go ahead, yeah, play it, and then the people can hear it in case they'd gone to bed. By the way, Shaq, I, I said tonight that uh, you are one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? All right. That's it. That's it? All right. That's it. Okay, cool. I mean, I you I, I, I've been hearing, well, I, I've been hearing that since my rookie year. You know, I'm just going to get okay, better and well, do what I do. Good. At the end well, of the day, well, that's what I wanted to hear you say. Yes, Love sir. your game, brother. Keep it up. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was awkward. It wasn't really a question. You put on the headset after a win, and usually you get lavished with praise, PK. And here's the statement: You're not good enough. Next. Well, yeah, I was responding to Shaq's statement. Yeah. I appreciate Shaq willing to confront him in a sense. And not just say it with, you know, these internet warriors out there who just rip you and they're anonymous. And we get plenty of those. It's like, I have no respect for that. So in terms of Shaq standing up to the plate and throwing a high hard one right at the guy, I respect that. Uh, Not sure it was the time or place. And to to an essence, an extent, I guess, 
uh, Shaq's right. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's leading the Jazz to a title this year, and maybe ever. Hopefully not, but we can't uh, guarantee any of that. My my concept is why just pick on Mitchell? Your premise, all right, it's there. But go after, then next time Paul George has a big game, next time uh, Antetokounmpo has a big game and they're on TNT and they come on, just don't go after those. And then they all three of them took uh, opportunities to, to slam the Jazz. Kenny Smith saying that you know unless they shoot the ball astoundingly well, that they're not good enough to win. I don't know about that. And then Barkley going, I think it was him, pretty sure it was, saying that, well, Shaq's right, because Mitchell's only had one game in which he's had double-digit assists, and he's only had one game in which he's had double-digit rebounds. Okay, but this is, I'm, I'm the king of stats, and you're not, and even I know better than to read into that too much. Why? Well, because they, they run all these multiple pick and rolls, and you know sometimes Ingles is running them, and Conley runs a lot of them, and it's not you're, you're not going to have those massive numbers like Stockton had. Well, Stockton had the ball in his hands most okay, of the time. Okay, how about boards then? Yeah, I mean, he's a guard, and he's a six-footer, so I just don't think that's going to be a dominant part of his game. I, I think that's the stronger part of Shaq's argument is, well, how many guys built like Donovan Mitchell have done that? Well, first off, and you said this 40 minutes ago, first off, there's only four guys in the league because Shaq said he's got to be the second or third best player on the team. Well, how many active players in the NBA have been the best player on a championship team? Four. The whole rest of the league is trying to get there. And that goes back to your point, well, say it to Donovan, that's fine, but say it to all these other guys. You know, top 10 players in the league, most of them haven't been the best player on a championship team. Four guys have. Everybody else is chasing it. So, you know, and, and, and the four guys who have, none of them are built like Donovan. And as a six-footer, you're, you're probably not going to grab 10 rebounds a game because six-footers don't grab 10 rebounds a game. Uh, Lafayette Fat Lever did. <laughs> and he wasn't the best player on the championship team. No, I don't think they were asking him to average 10 rebounds a game. Barkley's point that it, in four, three plus years, it's only happened once. His assists will go through the roof if they put the ball in his hands on every possession. But as David Locke is about to come on and tell us, he's a great catch and shoot three point player, which means, well, to use that skill, you've got to have somebody else initiate the offense and throw it to him so you can catch and shoot it. I mean, that seems oh, fairly just, obvious. I mean, but that goes back to the point that we're Utah, we're out on the West Coast. How often do they watch the Jazz play and how much do they delve into this? You know, they do have to shoot the ball really well to win. But they shoot the ball really well. They led the league in three-point field goal percentage last year. And, and they're shooting it better this year. Some other teams are shooting it better too, so we'll see how that shakes out. But, uh, you know, they, they do shoot it. So they make it sound, I don't know, sometimes you listen to that and it depends. You know, and if you come to it with a chip on your shoulder, which as a jazz fan is easy to do, perpetually got a chip on our shoulder, we're out here in the middle of nowhere, and nobody's paying attention to us except to tell us, we're not good enough. And so it gets everybody all wound up, and I get that. But they do shoot the ball really well. <laughs> That's why they led the league in three-point shooting. So don't say it like it's a fluke. They shoot the ball really well. Right, but I don't, I don't think it is a fluke. I think there are going to be times you're not going to shoot the ball well, and what do you do in those games? 
there's a decent chance you lose. But that's the well, beauty of a seven-game series. Way. Can you shoot it well enough? You're, you know, can you shoot it better than those other guys shoot it? Well, four times you have to do it. Right. And speaking of series. Yeah. Uh, and, and what Shaq is saying, I mean, well, everyone else did pick the Lakers. So he said it. He said it at a weird time when usually you, every, it's a win and everyone's feeling good and you're supposed to put the headset on and, and be lavished with questions about what does it say about this team and how good you are. Instead, it was just this dismissive statement. It wasn't even a question. And that, that's obviously going to offend people. I mean, that's pretty predictable. Okay, but not surprising. Fine, but I don't care if they're yeah. offended. So what? And we're talking about basketball, and yeah. you're offended by basketball. Oh, who, who gives a crap? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that they're, the Jazz aren't on TNT very much. Right. So if Mitchell or if uh, Shaq was going to say it to Mitchell, which I give him credit for st- saying it, when else it was, was he going to say it? Well, it was now. Yeah. When when are they going to be on TNT again? I don't know. I don't. I don't look at that stuff. Uh, so well, I, I don't and, know. and this year with the second half of the schedule not even made, <laughs> so yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen in March. If they do, they're not telling. Not yet. So the the upside to this is that when the Jazz were you know where they were the last few years and they're the eighth, tenth, or twelfth best team in the league, this isn't even a topic. But now that they're a half game behind the Lakers and they're tied with the Clippers. Now it's a topic. It's a topic because you're in the top three, four, five teams in the league. It's not a topic when you're Team 11. And for Donovan individually, it's not a topic when he's player 20 or 30. But now if you're a top 10 player, it's a topic. More of this with David Locke next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.